Little brother, you know, of course, that I am not the only one of your soldiers sent to eulogy. What you won't know is that we had travelled to Senya together, those two wearing their purple robes and golden masks, and then myself, masquerading as a merchant. Wanting to understand my collaborators, I engineered an accidental union on the road. I understood immediately your use of Terea all. There was a danger to him that stood apart from your soldiers' usual, the zealotry combined with an unrelenting desire to impress. To do right by his creed and his master, a savage tool for savage ends. Of Zender Broswell, his reputation precedes him. He was much more companionable. While Terea repeatedly questioned my presence, Zender eagerly shared bread and campfire. He exuded such an easy, casual threat that I suspect that he's never had any reason to fear strangers met on the road. When we arrived in eulogy, we went our separate ways, neither of them having the slightest hint about our mirrored purposes, that we represented two applications of the same force. I write now because I suspect that their mission has faltered, that their direct assault on the followers of Ferox Erstrate has failed. I was not there to see it, but I can read the signs. My own mission progresses. I am closer to Venz than ever before. You may question the wisdom in focusing on him and not the splinters, but I suspect a connection there, that their paths lead to the same future. If strength and conviction were the weapons of your other soldiers, then patience is mine. Yours in faithful service, Rugate Ullen Bacal. Welcome to These Flimsy Rituals, a narrative first role playing podcast focused on telling small stories in big worlds. Joining me today is Elizabeth Simones. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. You can find me on Twitter at CSilfGames. Steve Martin. Hey, I'm Steve, and I'm purple underscore Steve on Twitter. Thryn Henderson. Hey, I'm Thryn, and you can find me at Thryn. And Ryan Evans. Hello, I'm Ryan. You can find me on Twitter at BrainXray. And I'm your host, Adam Dixon. You can follow me on Twitter at @tdixon, And you can follow the show on Twitter at Flimsy Rituals. Okay, so we kind of split the last two episodes in half. So should we start with like a little bit of a recap from both sides? I'm not sure how much you know of each other's adventures. Uh, so should we start with uh, the Charlo and Briss side quickly? It was kind of like focused on two things. One of them was... It was like the fallout of Derish attacking Leaf and kind of Charla coming to Leaf's rescue, revealing her powers in front of like the entire camp, or like revealing that Strail is with her in front of the entire camp. Um, Charla kind of hiding with her family, some people in the camp, namely Briston, um, trying to like move against her. And Briss was kind of caught up in all of this as like the elder of her family uh what have i missed there was the bit where chala left 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I kind of just stopped being part of the caravan. I feel like that was kind of a big deal. Yeah, uh, left with um, Ioff and Shu? Yes. Okay, yeah. And there was a scene between Briss and Ioff, if I remember right. Ioff trying to get Briss to go back for Belka. Yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely on the cards. Well, we'll see. Because over on on the other side, there was a lot of bad roles. There might not be any Belka left for anyone to come for, I'm going to be honest. So on the other side, um, Belka and Vens uh, like finished their meeting with the abeyant Orskult Kalsun, um, who is like the leader of the monks. Um, you had that meeting, you... Vens, like, agreed to give up his memories of the Sharrow in order to get the memories of the person you're tracking. And the meeting was finished by the crack in the ceiling and the rumbling below the library. And we kind of had the scene where Kalsun went underground. And the reason she did that is she saw, like, two people heading there who seemed to pay, like, particular attention to Vens as they passed. You two were left in the care of Obil, who kind of very quickly gave up trying to stop you going underground. Basically, they agreed to escort you underground as long as, like, you took them with you afterwards. They seemed to be, like, a very dissatisfied monk. And, yeah, you you kind of, on the way there, had a run-in with Belka's old friends. Memento Mori! Um, so Memento Mori came down off, like, a statue of the mountain that Doya, the remnant, lives on, and kind of asked Belka to come with them, which Belka turned down, because they wanted to go and save Tilla. And Vens didn't go because Belka told me I wasn't allowed. <laughs> so yeah, um, you found Tilla. They were being kept by the judgmental observer Exenius who is, like, a ghost, and also, like, probably, like, the second in command here. And alongside her was uh, your old friend, Captain Aloma Labrensis, and you kind of got into a little bit of a fight. Belka plunges down a well. They see, on coming out, um, agents of the Conclave, tries to stop them from going up to hurt Vens, gets stabbed with a fish hook. What? So, yeah, this person continues up the stairs uh, to stop and just as he was about to attack Obil from behind, Belka charged into him. And at that moment, like, the entire place shook with another blast of this strange energy. And, like, that's kind of where we left that bit. So I guess the question is, where do we want to start? Well, nothing exciting is happening with Belka and Venz, so I think we should go over to the other two. <laughs> should we start sure. with Chris? Okay, sure, yeah. It might also be nice to work out what is happening with the village. Like, are they on the way or are they yeah. not is an important question. So following your meeting with the other elders and Briston's attempt to remove you from that council, you've got this opportunity to to basically establish a new family with some of like the people who are from other places. I think it was like Cast, Maddie, Kaylin. I think Vens would obviously be a part of that, if Vens is here too. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my question is this, like, who does Brisk go to? Um, it would be Cast first. Yeah, she's she's barely spoken two words to uh, Maddie and Kayla. Yeah. I don't really want to zoom in too much on this conversation, because I think Cast's response is very much, it's up to them. 
them being Maddie and Kaylin, because I think Cass sort of sees himself as the protector of Maddie and Kaylin. Yeah. Doesn't want to make decisions on their behalf. Okay. How does how does Leaf seem about the idea? Because I, I think I think Briss has started seeing Leaf as a bit more of a almost an equal, uh, yeah. you know, a, a, as a person. Sure. I think Leaf might be with Maddie and Kaylin. Okay. So Cast was in the tent with with Filter and the parish. Um, I think we established last time, but I think Leaf is probably being looked after by Maddie and Kaylin. Okay. So shall we have a scene? Maybe it's in like their tent. It's probably like a little after like lunch. Um, I think there's still as like you enter the tent, there's still like the smell of like their dinner in the air. Um, something spiced, probably like mushrooms from the caves, like fried and spiced. Kaylin is sort of like tending over leaf, and I think Maddie is sat in like another corner drawing cards out of a deck of like the tablets that she has. Like the the same tablets that she gave Belka. And I think it's like Maddie who looks up as you enter and says, Hi. Um, yeah, uh bit of a weird question. Um I can I ask a favour of you? It's kind of a big kind of a big one. I think Kaylin turns around to pay attention at this point as well. But it's Maddie that continues to talk. Sure. What is it? <sighs> well, it's complicated. There's this weird bureaucracy thing with the families and the elders and the council and all that nonsense. Basically, long story short, some asshole's trying to cut me out of the whole situation and I need a family to represent. And I was wondering if um, you all would like to sort of it's 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 very informal it's not like you know you're not i'm not adopting you but as as not part of a group you don't have a say and if you were part of a family you know just just as a, a formality and stuff then you'd have a bit more say in how things go around here i think maddie starts to nod and say like sure but like kaylin arms crossed stops her looks at you squinting and goes what's in it for us how exactly would we get a say well through 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 me i guess so you would represent us yeah i can i can bring you know your suggestions forward to the the sort of smaller council of the the, the families yeah i could i could do that for you and if we disagreed with you if me and maddie wanted something different to you how would that work um well I don't I don't know. Um I guess we could come to some kind of arrangement of how, you know, we can vote for stuff between us. Look, I don't I'm not interested in taking away your voices or having power over you in any way or anything like that. I just I don't know. I don't know how this works. Um there's a bloody good reason I I stepped away from this whole nonsense in the first place. Maddie looks up and goes and, and what do you want? I want to speak for myself. And for, for Corin, I guess. And what would that voice say? <sighs> well, right now we need to get a move on. We need to go to the city. We need to find find Belker and Vens. So you want to support your friends? Yeah, of course. They're part of us. We're all in this together now. 
you know. And after that, once your friends are safe? I want to find somewhere new to live. Somewhere for all of us to settle down. Whether it's together or not. Somewhere we can stop and rest and maybe put down roots. Kaylin takes over the line of inquiry. It's like, do you really think we're going to get to put down roots with that thing spreading? Yeah, I'm... Honestly, I'm trying not to think about it. It's not really the best solution right now, but I don't think we can do anything about it as as a village. I think we need to find people who are powerful enough to deal with that situation. And in order to find those people, some of us are going to have to split off and go looking for them. And we can't do that if everybody else is still living out of sleeping bags and eating from, you know, eating what they can forage. We have a weaver, a snarl, apparently a remnant and a child, the last envoy of a remnant. I'm not sure we'd find much more power anywhere else. Are you suggesting we go back? No, no, I just, I just want to know that you would help us to stop it when the time comes. Yeah, yeah, I will. I don't know much about this stuff. I mean, obviously it's serious, and people seem to think that it's, I guess, cataclysmically serious, eventually. So, until we deal with that, people aren't going to be really safe. So yeah, I'll deal with it. I just don't know how. I think Maddie stands up at this point and like looks at you and is like, neither do we, but we've got to try. If we're going to be part of your family, we, we just need to know that you're with us in working to stopping this thing. Yeah, well, one thing I do know about it is that this sword seemed to do pretty well. So yeah, <laughs> if if that's all I can do, then it's something. And look, I've got to I've got to be upfront with you about this. I'm I'm really not good at the whole family thing. <clears throat> Maddie and Caitlin look at each other and they're just like, "We've heard." And who else is with us? Well, Cast said it was up to you two, so if you're in, he's in. Um, if if Venz is still alive, I'm going to ask him, but <laughs> I uh, I'm not sure he's going to be entirely up for the idea. He seems much more of a free spirit. Kaylin looks at you and goes, "Okay, how how do you strike deals in the nut?" Um. I think actually with the whole the whole eyes thing, I think like eye contact, you know, lifting the veil and just making a sort of long, deliberate eye contact. Regardless of like time of day or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I think it's just yeah, it's just like a sort of a long a long look and a promise made. Okay. I think you do that and then um Maddie smiles and says, We drink tea together. Would you like some tea? I'd I'd love some. Yeah. Is 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 Leaf uh, awake at this point, or are they asleep? I think I think Leaf is awake. Like um, not moving much, but is kind of like laid on the bed, like kind of dozing, as dogs do in like the afternoon sun. Hmm. I'm gonna look over, um, at Leaf and say. What about you? 
You want a family? Leaf's tail lifts slightly in the air and flops back down. I guess we'll talk later. I, I think I think Maddie says, I think that was a yes. <laughs> well, excellent. I can't wait to see the look on Briston's face. <laughs> um, I think Caitlin's like, which one's Briston again? The the petulant asshole. The petulant asshole that's not me. Okay, so shall we go over to Charla, who's on the road with Ioff and Shu? Um, do we want to jump straight into being in eulogy, or do we want to have any scenes on the road? I think probably jump straight into eulogy. Um, yeah. My my thinking of what's happened on the road is mainly Chala is sound asleep the entire way. They get outside of the village's gaze, and she is asleep. And, yeah, next time you wake... You have arrived in eulogy. Uh, I do have a gang now. I think this is the first episode I have the gang. Don't know what it is, but I have it now. And I wondered, are Chala's eyes any different since summoning the ice bear? Possibly, yeah. I didn't know if if that was a thing that kind of continues with every, like, big interaction. I think it's, like, slow growing, but there's maybe, like, that shard has gotten bigger, or, like, maybe, like, the whites of her eyes are slowly starting to shift. Cool. Okay, so if if Fens ever sees Charla's eyes, which is difficult because of the veil, it will be obvious to other people who have seen Charla that something's up. Yeah, possibly. You're gonna be so double-grounded when I get hold of you. What? So, yeah, it's late afternoon when you arrive in Eulogy. Um, just to remind people, Eulogy is kind of a small village or town. It, it's definitely bigger than Ninut, which is like your main reference point. Um, built around the the library, the Heltic Library, which is this huge domed building with two wings extended out from it. Um, and I think the buildings are all kind of quite small, maybe made out of wood and stone, and they're all like very brightly coloured. Um, there seems to be quite a lot of people around, and a lot of them seem to be painting the buildings, um, but a lot of them seem to be changing what colour their building is. There also just seems to be a lot of people generally around, and the sound of music seems to be drifting from further down streets. As you wake up on the back of the Ockent, you notice that Ioff and Shu seem to be talking to someone. The person they're talking to um, is a woman wearing long robes. I think quite plain and brown, but they also seem to have like an arm that seems to have like a load of bracelets on them with like a load of different marks. And she seems to be greeting you all as you come into town. Are you here for the festival? Festival? What kind of festival? Lentilic. You're not here for it? I was mostly here for books. She, she kind of raises an eyebrow at that. We're not that kind of a library. What kind of library are you? We don't normally have visitors. We do more recording than lending. Hmm. Well, what happens at Lentilic? It's the new year. We we celebrate another year rolling over. If you've got any relatives buried in the area, you can go out and visit their graves. Uh, we cut back the trees and she kind of like waves and you see the cu- trees being cut back to like what looks to be like a designated boundary. Um... We have music in the square. There is food, too. 
There'll be more as the night goes on. Drinking. But are you look a little bit too young for that? Uh, both I off and she were like, yes, she's definitely too young for that. <laughs> yeah, Charles too young for that. Um, I off like looks around at you and goes, "Shall we do lentilic? It sounds good." Hmm. Yeah, but also, but also, I want to find out about the books that I'm not allowed to see. I think I off and Shu do like a little squint at each other. Um. <laughs> And then, like, she turn, like turns to you and goes, "We we we can we can see to that later. Let's get something to eat first. I'm hungry." All right. As long as later is real later and not requires a lot of convincing. They sort of don't answer. Um, I think she turns back to the monk and is like, "Is is there somewhere we can stable our? What are these things called again, Charla? I can't. It's Tillabrecht." Somewhere we we can stable uh, our cant, and like the monk is like, do you know Tilla? Yeah, Tilla's really nice. They're supposed to be here. Have you seen Tilla? Not for a while. Hmm. And she like shakes her head. They're probably at the festival. I wouldn't have thought so. They're not. They're not often this way. We usually go to them. A shouty man definitely took Tillabrecht here this morning. I remember. The monk kind of just, like, pulls a face. She's not quite sure about what you're talking about, or why, and seems a little bit confused about the situation, but it's definitely not the sort of person that seems like they would inquire. Um, Ayoff turns to you and goes, Let's go Lentilic. Let's do it. And, and you head off into the streets. I would like to find a collar for the weasel. Does the weasel have a name yet? No, I'm really bad at naming weasels. Okay, let's make it. <laughs> let's give the weasel a name right now. Okay. I think this is Ioff. Ioff is like, okay, have you named the weasel yet? No, I haven't named either of them yet. Eva. There's the ice weasel. I guess it's technically Strail, but it's not quite Strail. It's like part of Strail, so it should have its own name. Um. They get along. She looks kind of confused, but like looks at Ioff, then looks at you and goes, me and Ioff were trying to think of names on the road. Oh? What'd you come up with? Uh... Ioff is like, Shu mostly knows plants, and like Shu starts listing off like, you could call it coac, or cornflower, or bracken. And then like Ioff starts like, I think proper name. So not plant? Weasels should not be named plants. Okay, that's fair. What about... Bud? That's still a plant. And she's like, that, that, that is plant. And like, <laughs> I think I always like, not, not where I have comes from, but it's human name. Um, and then like, I have starts listing more like, Eshu? Eris? I think Bud is still easier. Prickle? <gasps> I like prickle. And it's like when it when, when the weasel uses its little whiskers. When it's like sitting on my neck, it's all prickly. Or when it climbs up leg. That too. That too. It's kind of painful. I knew she would like prickle. We can name the ice one later. Um, okay. So I think the current situation 
is this, I think. So if I remember correctly, Venz is stood inside Axenius's offices, and Axenius, the kind of like second-in-command of the monks, is at his feet. And I think um, Aloma Labrensis, the captain from the Satrapy of Theatre, is, is stood. But like both of them have kind of struck a ceasefire with Venz. Did Venz have Tiller? Uh, yeah, I was leading Tiller towards the door. Yeah. I think Tiller seems just kind of out of it. They don't really seem to know where they are or what's going on. Outside the door, we had, like, Obil standing, um, but they've kind of been brushed to one side as Belka charged the agent of the Conclave of Sima, who was kind of, like, coming up the stairs in reaction to Vents. Uh, their name was Terea Ull, and charged them, like, in the back with their horns and sent them, like, sprawling. And at that moment, there is this second shake from down at the bottom of the well. And, like, the deep pink light that kind of glows up from it, and, like, everyone kind of is suddenly shaken where they are and has to, like, try and, like, stay upright. What are you both doing? So I think if Fens comes out to see this happen, I think he's going to quickly, like, usher Tilla over to Orbil and sort of stand between the two groups. That makes sense. Who's your focus here? Is it... Is it, like, Exenius and Aloma, or is it, like, this new person? Uh, the new person. I feel like Venz feels like he's dealt with those two. And if they come back asking for more, then they know what they're going to get. And do you recognise the uniform? I think we said this last time that I recognise what they are, but I don't know who this one is. Yeah, you probably, like, very much recognise... I think, like, the helmets in particular are, like, a giveaway. I think each of, like, the agents probably has, like, a different one. And they're kind of bright gold, so kind of distinctive, I think. Yeah, for sure. And Belka? What are you doing in this moment as, like, Venz kind of passes Tiller onto Obil? Bleeding? Are you kind of making yourself, like, ready for the next thing that happens? Or are you kind of backing away now? I'm just, I'm gonna see what happens, because I... Just got really quite unpleasantly stabbed. So I think as you're both standing there, uh, Terea picks himself up to his feet and looks directly towards Venz. I think his like catfish-like whiskers are all kind of snapped in your direction. And he says, Snarl, are you with them? Does it matter if I was? He shrugs and says, No. Not really. And he looks um, at Belka and says, My issue is not with you. You and those other two you're protecting. All of you can leave. I just want the snarl. And he takes another step forward. I think Venz just looks towards him and says, Have you ever met an old snarl before? Only those down there. And the pink light flashes again, and he looks at Venz. He says, You know why I do this. You are death. The stuff that you weave is death. Every time you cast a spell, the thing that should happen is destroyed by you, and the world is made darker. And the pink flashes again. 
and Terea takes another step forward. What do you do? Do you remember how before I wanted to make my voice boom and be very intimidating and it didn't work? Well, friends is going to try that again. (laughs) So I think um, one of the things I will say, like one of the things that you probably know and can probably see, like, I can't imagine like that unraveling have much connection to like seeing the web of spirit in much detail, but they can probably see a little bit. They're, they're not weavers, but they can kind of sense stuff. And you know this, and you can see this now, is that like the agents of the Conclave are like cut off from the web of spirit. And I think you know that they can be like affected by you changing stuff in like the physical world, but you can't really change the spirit for them. You can't affect them that way. Okay. So you could make your voice louder and that could be like intimidating on its own, but you couldn't like use spirit to intimidate them, if that makes sense. So does that mean that if Vens like, you know, weave something to affect them physically, that that still happens, but it just doesn't affect them? Yeah, if you're using like wind or something like that, they're still probably very good against it and very protected against it. Like they train for this. Uh huh, okay. I was going to say Venz is going to give him one more chance, but I don't know if Venz... I think Venz has run out of chances today. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think Belka would be giving any more chances either. I think they're pretty infuriated about this. Okay, I think what Venz is going to do is going to go for... So the way up is behind them, right? Yeah, it is. Mm. So yeah, I guess the stuff in your environment is like, there is the physical ceiling, there is all like, like the chains and stuff. There are probably, like, bookcases, like, lining the walls and different books. Yeah, okay. I think Venz is going to get some of the chains to, like, wrap around his arms, literally holding him into one spot. And I genuinely think Venz is a little scared right now. Obviously, it's not every day you come up against someone from the Conclave. Um, so when you use Spirit to Wee Spells, say what you want to achieve and choose tags according to your bonds of remnants. You don't have any. The fates will say how much spirit will cost you. So yeah, it will cost you two spirit. Is that the two that you just drained? Yeah, I drained two from the ghost, so this will be well well spent. Yeah. I rolled a nine. So on a seven to nine, you have to pick three, which is you either take an additional harm or wear, uh, you unravel, the spell has side effects, or the tagged remnant calls in bonds with you. So a tagged remnant in this case will be like the remnant of the region. So Doya. Yeah, Doya does have a bond on me now. Okay, I'm going to go with... Spell has side effects. I will take one more harm. And I'll let Doya call in the bond. Okay. Um, and because you're using spirit, you're going to mark in the emotion of Axenius as well, which I think is doubt. So I think you mark an additional scared. Because I think she was doubtful of her abilities when you kind of drained spirit from her. Gotcha. Okay, um, so the spell itself, you're using the chains to try and ensnare. Yeah, just around the arms, maybe a couple around the legs sort of thing. You know, as if somebody was trying to bind them. And then you're going to run. Yeah. I think down. We're going to run down. (laughs) Fair. Okay. 
I think what happens is you want like a few chains to come out and wrap around the legs and arms of uh, Terea all. And even then, like you're not sure whether that is going to be enough to stop him or whether that's just just going to be like enough to slow him down and, and let you get away. But I think what happens is all of the chains start moving and there are lots like kind of suspended from the ceiling, like holding the books in place. They all start to move and shake. And and you realise that some of them are just completely loose. They were just kind of like suspended in the air or like, you know, like hidden in corners. They start to move like snakes. And initially they start to move towards Terea and start to pull him down into the well. And you see like his hands gripping on the side of the well as like the ch- the weight of change slowly pulls him down. But you also see them start to come to you, specifically you, Vance. Are either of you going for Terea as he's pulled down, or are you getting out of there? I think we were getting out of Dodge. I think Vance would have literally seen the chains going onto, onto them and just turned to the others behind him and said, Down the stairs, now! I think Terea is pulled down then. We'll see what happened to him later, I guess. Um, but yeah, I think as you turn and run down the stairs, uh, like... All of these, like, chains start snaking towards you, Vance, and, like, a few of them, like, wrap around your legs. I think you're at the back, probably, because you were the person that kind of cast a spell. They grab you and trip you up, and you kind of fall and start sliding down the stairs. Um, and you take one harm. Oh, that makes sense. And um, as you're kind of, like, laying there stunned, the chains start to pull at you. And you hear, like, a voice, almost as if it's, like, vibrating through the chains, and it says, Let's go. Doya wants to see you. Oh, it's time to grab Vens. <laughs> Bye. Grabbing Vens. Okay, um, are you trying to, like, break him free? Yeah, I think I'm going to try and get Tillo and Obil to, like, hold Vens in place and then try and pull the chains off. Yeah, um, I think Tiller seems a little bit lost, but Obil definitely helps you. Good old Obil. And you both kind of, like, grab Vens by his shoulders. Uh, Vens, how, how are you reacting? It's it's Doya. They want to see me. Just let me go. Get get somewhere safe. I'll be fine. I'll, I'll be with the Remnant. Because you're now, like, touching Vens, you can almost hear, like, this vibrating chains chatter. Valky, you heard the words, which which are like meant to be for Vens, but you can also hear them. Just go, come, your friends are waiting. Belkwi's kind of slightly in and out of focus with their eyes now, like they've, they've clearly lost quite a bit of blood. <laughs> <laughs> their grip on, on the chains is clearly a bit feeble. You have a bond on Belka, don't you, Vens? Yeah, I do. Do you want to use it? Do you want me to make it easier for you to use it? Because I think the chains might whisper a name to you. Um, I think they say, Falsate is here. You've not heard that name in a couple of decades. She is uh, like a person that you used to run with back when you were a young snarl, I guess. Yeah, just imagine like a Power Rangers group of snarls. Roman <laughs> I think Venz is very focused on this now and it's like she's waiting for me. 
I have to go. Let me go. And maybe he's like struggling now. Are you using your bond? I think so. I don't know if you'd have to use a bond because I don't think Belka can keep a good grip on you. Like they don't have the strength. They're also slightly stunned for the moment. Like who, who is waiting for you? I think Obil definitely has a good grip, a stronger than you would expect grip. Uh, I think Obil is looking at Belka as if to say, "What? What should I do?" I mean, I think Belka is just gonna wave a hand, kind of a a giving up motion. They are familiar enough with snarls and remnants to know they maybe can't win this argument. <laughs> That's fair. Do you let go? Yeah, yeah, I think I do. Okay. And Obil does too. And you see, like, Ven's almost gently pulled over the edge into the well, like, almost like caressed as, as he's taken away from you. Oh, that's reassuring. Obil, like, looks at you and goes, what do we do? We should see to that and, like, looks at your wind. Uh, Belka is gonna tie the lower flapping end of their scarf tightly around their waist, kind of just, like, out of sight, out of mind. Stumble back into the office and get the book that was on the desk. Okay. Yeah, so I think the situation is that because Treo all is kind of struggling with these chains, you have, like, a window to, like, slip inside. And as you get into the room, um, I think the scene's, like, kind of similar to how it was before. Aloma is still in there and reaches to help, um, like, Axenius up to her feet. Axenius just, like, waves Aloma away and, like, stands up and, like, looks at you as you enter. Are you just going straight for the book? Uh, yeah, I think I'm just going to go pick the book up. I don't know if I can, like, give Tiller's memories back or anything, but it seems more feasible if I have the book that we can do that. And also I don't want these people to have them because I do not feel like they are taking the appropriate care. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think you, like, walk across the room and pick up the book and no one really stops you. I think, like, they're both still sort of, like, cowed from Ven's being in here. Um, I think I'm going to squat in front of Exenius and sort of thrust the book in her face and be like, can I put these back? How do they go back? She looks at you with, like, a snarl on her face and says, why would I tell you that? You can take the book. You can take those memories. You can steal from this land if you want. I'm not going to tell you how to put them back. Those memories were for a better purpose. Those memories would have protected Senya and fed Doya, and you're just taking them. Some things are more important than your friends. I don't know if they're going to say anything. I just kind of like shake their head sadly. And they kind of flip through the book and go, well, I can read them to Tilla then. And then just leave. I think, like, in the room we probably get a shot of, like, Axenius standing up and, like, turning to Aloma, nodding at him and saying, if the way is clear, it's time. Go and alert the others. Uh-oh. Okay, um, shall we go back to Briss? I think you you definitely report back to the meeting of elders that's ongoing and say that, like, Maddie and Kaylin are prepared to, like, join you. And you, you, you get to see, like, the slightly disheartened look on Briston's face. And probably, like, Briston starting to scheme again. 
Um, I think he, like, tries to raise the issue of Charla, but, like, people are worried, and people are obviously on edge about seeing Charla do what she did. Especially as we're probably aware that she's gone walkabout now. Yeah, I think you find that in the moments after the meeting, right? Yeah, probably. I think if anything's going to happen with Charla, it's going to be in that way, like, that communities work, like, outside of a council. I feel like the situation in the meeting is Tamil is there, and Tamil is going to shut down any kind of conversation that happens regarding Charla. And that kind of means that anyone who has those worries and has that, like, simmering frustration has no avenue to talk about it. And, you know, we saw Briston lurking outside Charla's tent at the end of the last episode. I think that's the bit that we see, right? We see yeah. Briston trying to work out whether there's anything that he and the people who are maybe sympathetic to him can do about it. And I think we slowly discover that Charla has, has gone. I think Charla's parents probably talk to you and say, I often chew are looking after her. We, we can trust them, right? Yeah, I mean, if she's with anyone, I'm glad it's them. But we need to go after her. Get get packed up. Get everyone else packed up. She she wanted to go into the library. We we didn't say no to her, but but we told Shu and I off to do what they could to keep her distracted. But you know what Charla's like. Yeah, all too well. And Yanni and Saren both smile. We're. We've got to head in that direction anyway, so I'm, I'm going to get everyone packed up. We don't have to go in, but we need to go there. You okay, you okay with that? I mean, Yanni and Saren definitely. I think they shout for Tien and Drish, who are Charla's siblings, to like go and spread the word. I think Briss is going to do a sort of dash around, making sure she catches up with every every group and telling them personally that we're moving sort of thing. And I'd quite like to have a quick conversation with Briston at some point. Sure. Um, I think Briston is, like, kicking his heels. Like, his family, um, and this is, like, the interesting thing that happens, is, like, his family aren't there. His family were Savelle and Venran, like, were the two that were left. Um, so they were, like, some of the people that got discovered in the snow and brought back by Charla. Oh. And they're not there. And, like, Briston is both kicking his heels because he wants to kind of slow stuff down and is kind of a bit bitter about the way things have gone. But he's also, like, a little bit nervous that his family aren't here, and I don't think he, like, suspects that they're, like, missing right now. Mm -hmm. But it's probably very much like, <sighs> having to do everything myself as normal. And, like, sees you approaching and goes, what do you want? Just a quick word between elders, I suppose. I know you probably got a lot of funny ideas about traditions and the way things work from Aya, but there's there's basically a dozen of us left. Traditions, they're going to have to change. We're going to make new traditions, we're going to forget old ones. And if you keep trying to use our old traditions as weapons, as tools to give yourself some kind of power that you feel you deserve... It's going to go badly for you. He, like, looks at you and goes, I thought you respected the traditions. I thought you respected Re. Those traditions are what allowed Re to get us to Ninut. 
if we abandon them now, if we abandon everything that we established, Ninut, Bryzel, none of our history will survive. We are our history. We've got to survive first. And if we fall apart because of petty squabbling about who gets to speak, we're not going to. We won't have a village if we follow Vilta. We will all die. That was a quick word. <laughs> I guess, yeah. I'm going to walk away at that. So, uh, speaking of Chala, how's the festival going? I imagine that it's going very well. Okay. Uh, what, what are you doing? Starting with eating lots of food. Possibly trying to figure out what these little orbs are. The ones that I took way back when. Okay, yeah. We haven't yeah. had lots of chance to like meet other people. And Chala, I don't think, really has much money. But she's got these funny little orb things. So Is she trying to like haggle with them? Yeah, I think so. Okay. What what are you trying to buy? Um lots of food, some kind of cool thing for Prickle the Weasel. Maybe some cool things for the book? Like not quite postcards or but something like that of this new place. Okay. Um yeah, I'm just trying to like imagine what's going on here. Um most of what's happening is happening in like the main square here. And there's probably like a few big tables laid out um where people are kind of eating a load of food and there's maybe like another long bench with like a load of food preparation and like a fire and things like that where food is served from. I think most of the food is stuff from this region. Um I think most of the stuff that grows in this region is like very bland. I think we've like had the trees before that have like the great big seed pods and like they are edible and they're nutritious, but like they're not very interesting to eat. Okay. But I think because it's kind of like festival season, because people have come from afar, like they're kind of masking that with like loads of spices. So I think things are very like fragrant and like very hot to eat. Um and I think like alongside these two main tables, um, which are, like, you know, kind of cobbled together from probably, like, lots of different, like, smaller tables. Um, like, around the outside, it's probably, like, a small market. There are probably people trading trinkets uh, that they've kind of brought to Lantillic. Uh, there's probably, like, some of the monks' trades. Uh, maybe they make some kind of, like, mead, I guess? I can imagine them, like, having some bees and honey and all of that. Um, and I think, like, they maybe have another stall which is selling sort of, like, trinkets... Maybe, like, stuff that you could put on graves. And I think that's, like, largely what the other stalls are, which are, like, stuff that merchants have brought. Like, it's a mix of stuff that the monks would want. Things that they could use to decorate their homes, or things from the outside world that they may not have much access to. But, like, largely it seems to be stuff for people that have come to, like, commemorate someone. And, like, it's lots of, like, stuff fashioned together as, like, amulets or flowers that you could use to put on graves or fake relics, right? Like, people are trying to hawk, like, ankles of, like, supposed saints or bones of remnants or bones of envoys. What does Strail think of all of this? Um, 
the entire festival or like the the remnant the bit? remnant bit because strail's currently looking for remnant more than just bits but you know yeah um i think like strail seems there's like a buzzing in like your body strail is like definitely excited by this like festivals and events like you know they they're kind of really into dancing right i think this is the sort of place where they feel alive huh but when they start to see like the bones of remnants being sold and get to that stall that vibration changes and it's sort of like a deep dissonant note suddenly they don't much like it that makes sense i I probably wouldn't like it either but yeah, I, I, I don't think there are postcards here, or anything like it. I'm trying to think, like, what place the written word has here. Largely, they are words written on paper that is attached to, like, a relic, or something that you would, like, use to mourn someone, or, like, a gift that you put on a grave. Hmm. I think Chala will ask lots of questions while getting lots of food. Okay, um... Are you trying to use this orb to buy for it? I, I think, like, Ioff and she would probably have some other stuff to trade as well. Mm. No, I think I'm going to use the orb. I have my own things. I can trade. So there's, like, this small scene where Charla is talking to a food vendor and, and kind of gets a hot plate of... I think it's, like, a load of, like, the tree stuff kind of, like, mixed with lots of spices. Which orb do you offer? Ah. Uh... I think the Milky White. It's my least favorite. Okay. Um, I think, like, as you take it... Have you got it, like, in a pouch or something? Yeah, it's in my pouch where I keep the cookbook. As you take it out, like, the merchant's eyes light up. And, like, he takes it from you with, like, I guess, like, food-stained fingers. And it's like, yes, yes. Do you, do your friends want food? Yes. And, like, turns to, like, one of his assistants, like, give them a plate. And, like, holding the orb, like, turns and walks away. And I was like, yes, thank you. And I have looks at you and goes like, what did you do? I traded. Isn't that what you're supposed to do? I was like, you're meant to try and get a good deal for you. I do not think that was a good deal. It wasn't the prettiest one. Look, look. See, I've got this one. It has yellow with hot pink. It's very pretty. And then I've got this one that's deep red. It's not as cool as the yellow and hot pink one, but it's still very good. I think she moves across like, put them away. We don't want people seeing them. Okay. And like, leads you to sit down at a table. I think you like, start to like, eat your meal and, and kind of take in the festival. I think at this point, it's like probably like lots of people like arriving back from their excursions into like the woods and the greater region. You know, you, you can kind of hear people shouting and calling as, like, they arrive and, like, recognize, like, friends. And you can hear the music getting louder and, like, every time you look, there seems to be more people around. And some people start dancing and Shu seems to be having a drink. And then a rumbling under the ground. Low at first, and you're not sure whether it's even real because no one else seems to be paying attention to it. And then it gets more and more and, like, people start to stop. The music stops and people are looking around and trying to work out what's going on. And then you hear this horrible cracking noise. And as you look up, you can see the dome on top of the library begin to crack. 
And Chu says, shit. <laughs> and like starts to try and lead you away and he's like, come on, we need to go. And Ioff is also on his feet. What is Strail doing? Um, Strail the entire time has been growing in like that sort of like buzz and vibration. And like at this moment, what you should be feeling is like scared and worried and like a sense of trepidation. But like this feeling pumping from Strail is one of like elation and a temptation to just dive headfirst into danger. Oh no, mixed with Chala, who is always so careful and frightened. I'm sure that this can only go well. <laughs> what are you doing? So, I assume by this point Chala knows that it's the library. Yeah. I mean, it's very obviously, like, the most important building here. It's probably, like, the only one that is a couple of stories. I think Chala is going to shout... That something is happening to the library, and if we don't go now, we may never get a chance to look at the books, and you promised. And run. Um, make your move. You have a move about, uh, do you have a move about running away? I don't know. I should at this point. I don't, I don't think she's trying to lose them, unless they try and make it difficult, and then she might try and lose them. I think it's more that they don't want you just running into danger. And have probably promised your parents that they're not going to let you into a library. Charlie, you do have two bonds on Ioff. And you know that Ioff cares about Belka, right? There is a way to manipulate this. It depends how you want to go about this. Do you want to try and literally run away from them and, like, give them no option, which is maybe attempt fate? Or do you want to try and manipulate them or use bonds and try and appeal to them in some way? But that always takes so long. And I haven't used Tempt Fate in such a long time. Then run. They know where I'm going. If they want to follow me, they know where I'm going. It's pretty obvious. Yeah, I think I'm going to make a Tempt Fate. So when you Tempt Fate, roll. On a 10 plus you do it. On a 7 to 9 you can do it, but there's a cost. The Fates offer you a worse outcome, a hard bargain, or an ugly choice. How are you feeling right now? That is a really good question. Um... The uh, the Strail emotions have to bleed over, especially if they've been getting louder and louder. It's hard to tease out the difference necessarily between Chala and Strail's emotions, since they're knitted together. It's it's like background anxiety um, that kind of is always there, even if you're feeling something else, and they just it just is there. Yeah, yeah. I imagine like they kind of very wildly between you both having very different, very strong, intense emotions, or like one of your emotions just kind of overwriting the others without you really realizing that's what's happening. Yeah. So Strail is feeling very excited. Probably in like the joyful spectrum. Yeah, let's go with joyful. In this emotion wheel, it's got daring under joyful. Yeah. What does it say? It's a seven. Yay! Um, so on a seven to nine, you can do it, but there's a cost. Um, I think this is up to you. There are two ways that this can play out. One way is that as you start to run away, she catches your arm, and you'd have to try again to like convince them to let you go. The second way is you, as you run ahead before they can react, they have to run after you. 
and you lead them into a library. I think when you get there, you can feel the shaking coming from underground, and you can see the stairs down, and you start running that direction. As you get there, and like start trying to work out where to go or what's going on, a person steps in your way. They recognise you before you recognise them, and they say, We meet again. And you look up into the face of Captain Aloma Labrensis. Ah, no! There is kind of like menace behind his eyes. Your choice. I really don't like Aloma. You also don't like talking. (laughs) (laughs) That's a fair point. I know. Is it obvious that they were never going to let me go into the library? A little bit. Like, you'd probably be able to convince them. Ioff in particular has a vested interest in going in. Do you like when, when parents give someone an instruction that the kid isn't really privy to? Is that situation of, like, they've been trying to, like, steer you towards not going to the library for, like, all the while you've been with them? Mm. The problem is, I don't think I can make Chala just stay and have a reasonable conversation. She's had so many conversations today. Then break free. Alright. Let's go meet Aloma. So, we kind of get some final images of you all. Chala face to face with Aloma. Ioff and Shu just a little too far away to help. And Venz being pulled into the heart of the library, carried by this net of chains. And Belka, in pain, limping down the stairs, with their friend Tilla beside them, and also Obel, kind of leading their way. And outside of the library, a mile or two away, we see Briss, kind of nervous and apprehensive, leading their caravan. Maybe Maddie and Kaylin at her side, and Corin beside them, walking with Leaf, hand on the uh, not-quite-a-dog's head. Her new family, who she is worried that she's leading into danger for a second time. 